Welcome to Genius Leadership Podcast, where we discuss how to overcome everything as a leader. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighting mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders. We discuss their roller coaster ride of leading from their zone of genius and when they don't. If you find this show valuable, please subscribe and share it so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, Genius Leader, welcome to another guest episode of the Genius Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm talking to a fantastic human being and co-founder of Nudge Labs, Shane Correa. With Shane, we're talking about his personal experience with burnout, how it has been to go through the scale-up experiences and suddenly hit the ground or hit the wall. He's describing that experience, what the body has been telling him before that big hit and how the big hit has been, and also what he's been doing since then. The journey with the Nudge Labs is a powerful one on many senses. It's a, an example of how a purpose can bring fantastic people together and hold them together going through difficult times. But Shane is also talking about that sharing this why and being so tuned into it is a double-edged sword that you need to be careful with. Shane is sharing their experience of going through the YC, Y Combinator. They were a part of a winter 2022 cohort. And I think it's a very interesting conversation about uh, when you as the company trying to be uh, to provide the solution for better mental health and physical health of employees, how do you go through that super extreme, intense period of the accelerator? And what are the trade-offs in the process? And how do you manage that as a team and individually? So listen in to learn about Chain's experiences and their learnings from Nudge Labs so that you can be a happier and healthier, more sustainable leader that I know you can be. So enjoy the conversation and see you on the other side. Shane, my friend, warmest, warmest welcome to the Genius Leadership Podcast. Do you want to say hi? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, hi, Anna and everyone. So thanks for the invite and my pleasure. I want to start with the story of Nudge Labs and your personal one. What that what kind of flow flew into the uh, into the company start? So can you tell us where have you been mentally and physically when the idea of Nudge Labs uh, came came around, and what was the company from the start? Sure. So I have uh, a background in in uh, technology. Been working within delivery customer success for a number of years within SaaS uh, software, and uh, been through some scale ups, uh, quite intense uh, times high growth um, and uh, demands, but also quite rewarding. What I ended up focusing on was my team and the company and leading by example as much as I could, but forgetting uh, my own well-being in the process. And in uh, 2017, I uh, had a burnout and it was due to the fact that I ignored the signals uh, from my body that were saying that this was not sustainable. Later on, I moved to uh, uh, Sweden and, and back to Sweden and met my co-founder, Magnus. He uh, was a McKinsey serial entrepreneur, did an Ironman. Things were going great at his company that he founded. 
And one day they said, you know what, you don't look so good. You should probably go home. And he was uh, home after uh, exhaustion uh, through due to due stress for seven months. So it's his idea for Nudge Labs that it, it shouldn't be this easy for individuals like us to uh, to burn out. Um, there should be ways that we pick up signals from our bodies through uh, devices like uh, O-ring or, or Garmin, uh, Apple and whatnot. And uh, the idea was to visualize this uh, in a way that's easier for people to understand, uh, to give prescriptive, personalized uh, advice uh, so that people would take the steps necessary to improve their well-being because we knew that that tied into the business. It turned out our first our first run didn't go well uh, because behavioral change is difficult. And knowing what you should do doesn't mean that you actually do it. So our next run was uh, introducing coaches. So in addition to the data that's visualized in, in an app, you also have a, a, a coach that you meet with regularly uh, to hold you accountable, uh, to motivate you and keep you on track and drive a, a, also a bit of self-reflection. Now we work with enterprise customers to ensure that their employees have that uh, extra support to understand what is well-being and what the drivers are and maybe even pick up some of the signals so that they can actually build a more fulfilling and meaningful life. Like This goes far beyond just business performance. It's uh, something very near and dear to us. So now we're, yeah, we're, we're up and running in, in, uh, in, in Stockholm and have companies, customers throughout the world. And are excited to, to take on the challenge. Before we go deep, deeper into the in the taking of the challenge, I actually want to go back to your own experiences with the burnout back in 2017 and also maybe a bit mm. of Magnus' experience. What were the symptoms? You said that your body was telling you something and you didn't listen. So I want to tap into that. What was your concrete or specific things that you were experiencing? And also what kind of story you were telling yourself? To not listen to that or to misinterpret it to uh, it's interesting yeah and you and there's two different things because you said yourself so there's things that you have a conversation with yourself and there's also things that your wife husband boyfriend dentist like everyone around you all throughout the web everyone it's easy to know what you should do or should not do the conversation i think is different in, of, of course but yourself so for me when it hit I was in a parking, I, I drove into a gas station, the car, shut off the car, I, and my hands were on the steering wheel, and I felt like I was falling through the, the floor of the, of the vehicle. So it was a very drastic, uh, and I, I guess it was a combination of an anxiety attack and, and other kinds of things. But that's when it was at the worst. Prior to that, it's the typical things about uh, your digestive system and sleep, forgetfulness, and even eczema. Some of the, the topical and, and superficial things. I wasn't measuring my heart rate variability. I wasn't measuring my resting heart rate. I know that I was not putting enough time to to exercise, and I underestimated the value of taking a break. I did not understand that stress was was cumulative. I, you know, this this concept: I'll sleep when I'm dead. I was doing something I loved. I uh, enjoyed work. I enjoyed the people that I was with. I saw the difference I was making. I tried to be there for my family. Um, but it was clear that I, I wasn't myself, but they were small, small things until it was a big thing. Uh, and it's not dissimilar to Magnus. Forgetfulness. Uh, he, he shared times when he'd be able to knock out a, let's say it's investor deck or something, uh, maybe it's a sales pitch and things that would normally take him 
short amount of time, but would all of a sudden take 10 times, to, you know, something that takes, take, take 20 minutes is, is all of a sudden, you know, taking five times that. So it's, but they sneak up. It, it wasn't something that just all of a sudden happens. So that you, you rationalize a lot of these symptoms to, well, I'm just tired or it's just a busy week. And those are the types of conversations that I had with myself is how can I take a break? I have 4,000 customers, each of them, you know, 15,000 users with a very small team that is migrating from on-premise to cloud. And, and, uh, there's 70 customers, you know, waiting for an answer that I'm responsible for, or there's, you know, several hundred customers on, on a release that's having an issue. So there was always something from business perspective that was more urgent than my own, uh, health. And, and I also, like I said, underestimated how everyone around me can pick up. So if I'm, if I'm in a good mood, that's a positive and that's infectious. When you're stressed, that's also very, very clear. Not, not everyone, but for me, it, it, it was. So I underestimated the power of breaks. I underestimated the influence I had on, on, on my team, the environment that I was building and the signals that my body was, was sending very clearly, but just chose to ignore them. I think it's a powerful or um, a popular question, Shane. If you would have done it all over again, what would you have changed? And I think it's nice to be smart afterwards, but my experience is that entrepreneurs almost have to go through this struggle and their own yeah. lessons. So with that perspective, what do you think could have been differently? If, if we assume that, okay, you did need to go through the struggles yourself to get where you are, to start the Nudge Labs, to be able to help thousands of people now. Still, what could you have done better or differently? Or maybe what could have people around you done to help you soften that fall if it's inevitable? I think it depends on the, on the individual. I think it's always the case when we ask, uh, you ask a sleep expert, you know, give me the three things that are going to solve my sleep problem. Or you talk to an exercise expert and how am I going to lose weight or get faster? Or we all want that like recipe. So looking back, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm, uh, as many, I love data. So getting access to that where I would have been able to, to see this trend. Now, would I have realized how close to bottom I was? If I saw a negative trend, I'd say, well, I probably have capacity. I could keep pushing through that. So visualization alone wouldn't have been it. I, I also have people near and dear to me that, that had uh, burnout. So like until you put in the position that you can't help someone that you care about, that also is, is adding to the reasons that I was thrilled at the opportunities. And Magnus uh, asked me if I would like to participate after we had shared our experiences and, and as a, as a co-founder. What would it have been different? I, I wouldn't be able to, when I talk to, uh, I don't know how many people asking them, their leaders themselves, does this resonate? Have they had a similar experience? And I don't know if it's 9.9 out of 10, but everyone I speak to, either, either themselves or every, they have someone that's close to them that have, have experienced this. So I think it's hard to build trust if, if you haven't experienced it yourself. Of course you can. But this is a, not a theoretical discussion. This happened to me. It happened to, to people on my team. It happened to, to, to Magnus. So it's, that changes the, the authenticity. It changes our story when it comes to uh, addressing it. What would have been different? I think the visualization, but clearly our own failure as a company at Nuds Labs was we thought that 
visualizing the data and giving personal prescriptive contextual advice would be enough. It, could, it wasn't just, hey, your trend is negative. It's do these three things. So it's very specific, mm-hmm. prescriptive. Try this. And we underestimated the human behavior and, and what it takes to build a habit. And that comes into the coach. So if I had both data and someone objective, basically nudge labs, then I, I think together would have made a difference. Why? Because we don't just help the individual. It's also we can aggregate the data. So I would have been able to see the, I mean, it's anonymized and aggregated scores, but I'd be able to see how my team was doing. And we ended up doing that during Y Combinator so we could see the, the overall health of the company. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that, okay, this is, this is a rough trend, but come, you know, after demo day, when, when we have come out of the, the other end of this, this tunnel, if our if our trends continue downward, then what do we do about it? So week on week, every single week, we would review how are we doing and what is the contributors. Now, it could be a, a delivery. It could be a big customer event. There's always going to be things from a business perspective that force you to prioritize. You're a very small startup. You can't delegate things. You just have to do it. So there's always you know one more thing. There's always working through weekends or working late. But it was a visualization of the data that, that kept us accountable. But then I still think many of the problems would have happened if we didn't have coaches, individual coaches. And we've seen that that made really all the difference. It's the conversation and the self-awareness driven by talking to someone, like a co- call it a therapist. It, it, you should talk to someone. Everyone should be talking. Best case is a coach, clearly, but not your mom or your boyfriend, girlfriend, like, someone objective, someone to hold you accountable, that's what's going to change behavior. That's what I see from my clients when they talk about our relationship. They say, that's a good thing. I'm paraphrasing, but in a way, I don't care about them. As in, I do care about them as a human, but I don't care about their roles and their performance in their role. This is not the priority for me. I don't have a personal agenda in this engagement. And that is what makes it so powerful to talk to me. Because that they don't need to filter themselves. They don't need to think, okay, what does it mean for my company if I share it with, this can be with the board of directors or some of my employees and so on and so forth. And that is what makes it powerful to have this, as you said, objective person uh, on your side to just listen, what, whatever you have and mirror it to you. But it's interesting that the just listen part we underestimate as well, drastically. So I had, I talked to an, uh, another VP customer success at a very successful company and and he cared about his team and was, was interested in, in what we were offering and was open. And he said, well, let's say I did find out that my team was stressed and it was due to aspects of the business that I didn't have control of. Like, if I know that five of my 50 people are, I don't know who, but there's some, some segment of, of my team who's unwell, like, what do I do with that? He said, I'm not a psychologist. And What's interesting is that the, the role that we try as a leader, you are very many things. Uh, you're a marriage counselor, financial counselor, you're, you're, of course, I mean, to be, to be fair, it can, the deeper you build that relationship, the more meaningful it is, the more you're involved in their life and want to help. So it's, it's setting boundaries, of course, structure on, on, on feedback and where you draw the line or not. But the beauty with, with Nudge Labs or, or another type of solution is that your employees have someone to talk to and maybe they don't need to have a solution. And coaching is not about giving 
advice. It's actually asking, like forcing someone to answer questions that they probably never asked themselves. And aside from the data, that is, that's what we've seen has, has been so powerful. And what we hear from our users is just, just having someone objective to talk to, to force uh, um, some level of reflection and self-awareness. Um, and then following up. And there's, of course, they're certified coaches. This is not just, just anyone. Uh, there is clearly a science behind that profession. But I just, uh, what I mean is that I think, I think we underestimate if we've not enough people have experienced coaching, not enough people have experienced therapy, and you don't know what you don't know. And the second that you have that experience, you're like, oh, I can't curse, but wow, that was valuable. You can curse if you want to. <laughs> Freedom of speech. <laughs> so you mentioned the Y Combinator. What prompted you to go into that experience? What stage were you as a company? And how was the process of getting in there? Yeah, it's interesting because it's, it's, uh, it starts with a pipe dream. You're like, well, why, why should we even bother applying? Uh, I don't know if it's 2% of global applicants. And then you start thinking about it, I was like, well, why not? Because the process of, again, forcing yourself to, as a team, clearly articulate the value of the solution, the vision, the mission, the, what your value prop is, what the commercial aspects of your business. As a startup, you always need investment. So if you can prepare yourself to go through that process, then you will be more prepared to ask someone else for money. So that was the, the, the early on, but we didn't think we would get in. But I mean, the, the, the companies and the support, the exposure for us once you get in is worth the, the, the cost of the investment and the, the, the dilution. So it's, it was clearly worth it. Uh, we would do it again, but the timing, the timing for us was a bit early in that we, it was our first version where it had the app and the visualization of data. It did not have coaching. So, while we had initial indications that it was a uh, uh, great retention after, if you think about a gym on the, the 2nd of January compared to the 10th of January, things fall off. So the initial curiosity uh, we saw was, was wearing off. And we realized that, that uh, even though we went through iCombinator, we did not uh, go for investments at demo day. So we, we postponed that because we, we saw that if we did based on the numbers uh, then, then it wouldn't have made sense. But then once we pivoted in June, included coaching, we had over 95% retention, positive, positive NRR. And, and if you think about some of the competition from an app perspective, it's single digit retention. So it's, it's, a, it's a drastic, you know, 10x improvement. There's a 7x ROI. There's like everything flipped when it came to having the individual involved, but as you talk to many startups, as soon as you introduce humans, then there's an entirely different margin, uh, and then scale becomes a, a bigger question. So we knew we wanted to go for it. It was early, but it was still worth a shot. Um, we learned a, a, a ton from that experience and, and uh, we would do it again. So how was that experience? of? Um, let's take the preparation first. So, so to get in the cohort that you actually got in uh, winter 2022, what did you as a team need to go through? And let's keep a focus on the mental health part. You're still trying to build the business, right? And at the same time, you're going through the process of applying and going through the selection process of quite a harsh environment and 
really high demands on the team. What is going on there? So uh, I think we talk about fail fast. There's all these terms when it comes to startups um, that you have to learn and, and adapt, but humans don't like hearing no. Uh, so I think we went into it open, uh, expecting to get a no and embracing that. Uh, so we didn't, of course, we, you know, internal had aspirations, but it, it, it wasn't part of what we would see as a success, at least tried to rationalize uh, that. And preparation was no different from, uh, again, if we were looking to get investment, so we had pre-seed. So that process comes from yet again ex- explaining what we're doing, why, what the addressable market is, how do we see us fitting uniquely from competitors. Uh, all these things would need to be done anyway. So it, what it forced us to do, however, was be far more concise. So it's, it's everything was cut down, uh, as much as, as possible and then go another 50%. Uh, so it's, it's, you're not, um, and you also what we realized it was less about telling stories. It was very much data driven, very much numbers. So that, and that was a bit of a surprise. Uh, yes, there, when you hear about Airbnb and like there's a story behind DoorDash, there's a story behind these big unicorns. But getting in is is less about the emotion and why we created the 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 company, and, and very much about what is a problem that you're solving, um, so the, and a little bit way, less. So they, yeah. I just want to. Uh, this is a very interesting thing for me because it, it really separates. Then the story is for the market, for the users. But when we talk about potential investors or some kind of mentors, board of directors, it's really about the data and the numbers. So it's it's first that, that? it's first that for them, for them to even begin to listen, you have to go through a gamut of, of, um, metrics. Once you do, then of course there is, uh, some, not in the, not in the demo day, you know, 60 second type of thing, uh, but it's getting through the door. So from, from they, what we've learned is that they try, they look at the, the founding team. They know that you're not going to have customers. You may not even have a product. We had, we had PowerPoint and, and, uh, you know, an MVP. So that's not, when I talk about metrics, it's not necessarily that, but it's, it's the early indications. It's showing that you know what to measure, how to measure it, what, uh, where you are, what you hope to be, why you hope to be there. And the big thing also is, is if you have a long list of customers, they say make something people want. Is that they're they're saying, and if there's interest and in the holy grail of product market fit, so you can't keep up with the interest, then some of the metrics may not be as important because you're gonna bur- you will not be profitable. You will burn through money in the beginning. You're doing things that don't scale. You're trying to prove if this is going to work or not to get product market fit. And then once you can't keep up with the demand, then it's not as difficult to do that. So yes, there is an element of story. But it's it's uh, it's after they understand the idea, see the addressable addressable market, see the potential, and then believe that that team, the the entrepreneurs that, that are pledged listening, are the right ones to make that work. To go from pre seed to seed to maybe Series A, but probably change out along the way. To be frank, and eighty percent fail at each level. So, oh, by this the way, this is something that. Uh... <laughs> 
uh, yeah, by the way, <laughs> the small detail, <laughs> this asterisk and then the fine print. Mm. But that's, that's something that is so special about entrepreneurs that they might have heard that, but then they have this optimism that is just incurable that gives them this opportunity. Now, I'll be in this 10% or 20% that are not failing and they just go for it. And, but I think that that's where the that's where the tie into the the if you don't have a personal experience, it's hard to have the conviction. You still can, and I I'd rather that you don't have personal experience. But there's there's companies like uh, Mila that pairs women with uh, uh, psychologists specializing in women health. There's femtech that uh, are stemming from their own horrific experiences with postpartum depression. Uh, Olivia comes to mind. So yeah. these are, they're not just a story. It also gives a, a very important, deep appreciation of what the problem is you're trying to solve. And oh, by the way, it's a personal conviction to take you through these valleys of despair when you're like, I'm not, you know, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. And that's where it come, I, I, I've seen in our numbers during YC and after as a team, if you believe in what you're doing, that gives you that, there's a, that saying that you're never going to work a day in your life if you love what you do, which is it's bullshit. It, it is stress. It can be positive and negative. It's still a tax on your body, which we don't recognize. But the problem, the, the good thing about it is it'll, it'll make it uh, rewarding and, and I'll say fun, but it can also keep you up until till 2 a.m. and get and you wake up with an idea at three and you wake up with an idea at four and and the, the, the trick is how do you do that sustainably so there is the visualization of the data allows you to to say okay i can push for this week or these couple of days but i need to get to bed i need to stop work at least eight nine i need to be in bed Nine, ten. If I'm ever going to have a chance to get at least one solid night's sleep, quality sleep. But the beauty with a company like us is that we would hold each other accountable based on the non-data signals. I mean, we had access, but there was mm. privacy and, and things. But you could see, and we were quite a, a, attuned to that. And, and as a group, we would look and say, okay, since we're so few, if, if a few of us were not doing well, our team overall well-being which are so it's quite clear and say okay what do we do about this and it was very transparent and and there was ownership rather than trying to hide and and say you know what i'll fight through this because i believe i believe so deeply in what we're doing i'm willing to sacrifice my health and the answer is no because it's not sustainable it's not good for the business yes one of previous guests of uh, on the show janus weber said if, if you're out then the whole um, the whole uh, thing falls apart so as a founding team, you are the core of it, and without you, there is no business. So, and uh, and to be fair, we're well, because people start talking to us about, well, you guys are the experts, right? Mm. You should be, you know, specimens. You should be doing Ironman and and have all these problems solved. And and I always said, like, I I I don't. I was on a very late journey of self awareness. I was very open with the fact that I had a burnout. I was open with the fact that I don't get this right. That there's some nights I, I work late and I get crappy sleep, but I found uh, a combination of a pre-sleep wind down, like what I had said, to bed early, pre-sleep reading, not my phone, not the computer, and not doing something really engaging uh, in the evening. Mm. 
because mm. I mean, if the mental capacity is depleted anyway, cognitive ability is just reduced. So, it's, so choose wisely what you're going to do, and then be diligent with. Okay, I I cannot afford another night like that, and then invest in in very very simple things, but doing them. And then when I did it, I would say roughly thirty percent. It would vary, but I could see a drastic increase in quality, duration, and quality of sleep. That doesn't mean the next day I was like, okay, now, now I'm back. Like, no, it, it, it's, it's, it's not binary, but it, yeah, but it definitely was, uh, just like stress is cumulative, you know, poor sleep wears you down, stress wears you down, and then you catch colds, which reduces your effectiveness, which impacts your sleep. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to be making, you know, 50 cold calls. Do you want to be sick and stressed and tired or do you want to have energy? <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you deal with 50 no's uh, and turn around to your team and, and uh, be energetic and positive and believe you're going to be in the 10%? Because these are the things that, that I didn't have in my mind uh, the first time around. So how was the experience here? You, you uh, said before we started recording that you were measuring the team during the uh, Y Combinator. And actually, maybe it's good to, to share the a background of how that actually looked. Did you completely abandon all the family life and the the work uh, daily operations of the uh, of the company and just focused on the white combinator, or was it? Yeah, definitely family. Uh, that was the. But as any startup, it's tough on a on a family. There's there's a potential for for uh, for upside. You doing something you love, but but it's uh, that can take it. So. It started in January, went into the end of March. Uh, so it's a finite amount of time. So you could tell yourself, well, I can get through anything. That's not a long period of time. Uh, it did have a, a, like a rough end, end date. And it was in California. We were remote, uh, following the pandemic. So in the past, they would move there, uh, move to, to, to Silicon Valley to, to, to do that. And we didn't have to. So the benefit was we would, uh, we'd run the business in European day CET time and most of our customers and prospects were, were there and then six so you'd eat you'd rush home eat something if, if you're lucky or eat during the, the beginning session you have a session 637 until 9 10 and then you would have a you'd circle up afterwards depending on the, the the energy of the team and the topic and you would also have different sessions covering different aspects of the business so you're gonna go to market or product development or some technical or marketing or enterprise deals or contracts or pricing. And then you would divide up the founders to, to attend these. You would meet up and share notes, come up with uh, specific actions, things that you wanted to try uh, for the coming day. And then you would do this yeah, for, for the week. And I, I, I remember being, I think is Monday, not Fridays, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, I think maybe Tuesday. Here again, the defense mechanism is that you forget, mm. but it's it felt like every every night, and you have the business to run, so it, it, you can't not do that. So somehow you have to do both, and that clearly took a toll on on, on the team. Mm. Uh, it was what have you noticed? So as I meant, the the, the energy uh, we the core value was authenticity, and it's it was. Uh, we would say, you know, it was a rough, it was a rough night. We want to be positive, but we would say it was, it was, uh, uh, if it happened. So we're very open with today is not my day rather than have people assume it's them or something else or, mm-hmm. or we were running out of money or we lost a customer, like all the things that would impact uh, a team in that way. So we would say that otherwise it's, it's what you would expect from short 
short answers to the his, I mean, it's it's skipping lot like stupid things like skipping lunch mm-hmm. or or um, short tempered but yeah you'd see uh, it, did it impact work I mean a few times I would say that it we saw it impacting the product uh, what anyone was producing not the product itself sometimes making uh, things in more time but of course you're more prone to to mistakes during. Uh, during that time but we were very aware and we would like i said once a week we would look at the aggregate score and track it week on week and and we we knew that it was going to be tough but it was just uh, a necessary aspect of potentially making a, a success so we uh, we we kind of allowed it and then waited did uh you know pass the uh, demo day and focused back on the business and applying the learnings and then the idea was that we would slowly see the overall well-being at least flattened but hopefully eventually start going up again and and with time it it did it wasn't something that just you know turned around to be clear and and transparent it, it these things take time that's also part of the frustration is that you don't you can do all the right things but you're not going to get an immediate response these are uh, preventative and proactive uh, measures that don't always uh, show mm. uh, in your biometrics it takes an investment and a belief and consistency that uh, collectively make a big difference. But uh, there's no silver bullet and, and magic pill that's going to automatically solve that. It's going to be a collection of different things. Making time for family, putting extra time for reflection, more time for breaks, exercise, like the things that we already know. It's just we don't prioritize them. Common sense is not common practice. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So you had this commitment from the whole team, I suppose, of the buy-in from the whole team to participate in YC. And everyone knew, okay, it's going to be tough, but it's very limited for a month. We'll just push through it together. Do you have any thoughts, Shane, if someone on the team would not have the same buy-in? I'm just thinking about generally like startups inevitably need to go through tough periods, whether it is some accelerator, whether it is um, mm. some uh, investment round or whatever it is. So what do you do? When you have someone who is like, I'm not up, I'm not in, I cannot just sacrifice my relationship right now or my health. And you shouldn't. Leader. And, you, and you, to be fair, I would say you shouldn't. It, sh- it shouldn't require that, but, we, but it can. But it um, does. Yeah. Uh, so, so for us, it was good because I didn't answer that as part of the first question. There was a conversation saying, we're probably not getting in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go through this process, but if we do, for the crazy ass reason that you know once in in a, in a million that we do are we prepared for that are we in because it's also something you don't i don't know maybe maybe someone's turned them down but it's, it doesn't <laughs> it's not as common and do we have an idea what that's going to mean it's good it's going to mean a crazy three it's three i mean three months in the program but there's you know months before months after because the funding and and uh, preparation for it so it is roughly on six months but intense three months and of course you, if, if you've never done it before it's hard to imagine but you try to make that decision in advance now if one of us had said no i'm not prepared to push for uh, a very intense three and and even more uh or, or higher intense three and in addition to this three that that are extremely intense i don't have a good answer uh i think we were all we all had a a very personal which 
it's not uncommon. We have this very personal commitment to this. And it goes back into their experiences. And we wanted to help as many people as possible and create, you know, a chance at creating something big along the way. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't have a good answer. Uh, and advice, I think it's, uh, understanding the why. Uh, and it can be like, I don't want to sacrifice my family. Okay. Okay. I, I, I understand that. Are there, because you also want it to be even. You can't say, well, Shane will only be available work hours or something like that. But we did do, I mean, there were times that, that, um, parental leave. So like Magnus had a, a little baby, a little baby girl. In the midst uh, of the YC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, when did she, she, she was born, uh, uh, personal, but it was, she, he had a small child, uh, during that time. And, um, so we, we, we understood. And regardless of the data, that was something that was important for us. That if we get through this, we do it together, whatever you need, whenever you need it. So if someone would say that they're not prepared for it. Okay. What are you prepared for? Is that something we'd be willing to support under this time for those reasons? Because in the long run, we want you to be there with us then you do it. But it's all about setting expectations. Uh, but I do admit that that's, that can be difficult. It all depends on the founding team and the relationship that they have along they've known each other. Like we, ha- we didn't know each other. Magnus pulled together this team that had never worked together. So that added Think another dimension. how important the mission is, right? And then I just had the why that you all had that to stick to as Velcro. That, that held you all together and independently of the personal circumstances you just yeah. committed to it i think that that's the double-edged sword uh that will both hold you together in all positive aspects through tough times but it can easily slip into unhealthy behavior because it matters so the more things matter the harder you're willing to push and whether that matter is to be a billionaire or to have a positive impact in the world uh, or to provide a service that your child, you know, should have had, like whatever your reason that can push you into unsustainable behavior. Mm. And I think that that's, that's where the whole, you know, you can sleep when you're dead kind of, you know, I'll push through this because I have no team. It's me or few people and, and it's worth it. And I just think there's, there's ways that you can push that hard, but also put in even micro breaks even small things that make a bigger difference than uh, than you can imagine i think that's where the data could allow for it and that's the beauty of of wearables these days every everything i mean i have aura apple this garmin like there's there's plenty of ways to to remind you but if you think about it this way here's a question for the people listening the last time one of your devices says hey you should stand up like it's like I don't have time or so, so it, it, it requires another layer. I just wish that it didn't take a burnout to help people prioritize. And that's usually what it takes of some, it takes some crisis for someone to realize, oh, okay, maybe this isn't sustainable and, and I'll therefore invest in, in even mediocre ways. And it can be, you know what? Uh, talk to Anna, like skip the watch. <laughs> you, you use the regular watch in your phone, but find a coach, have someone to, to objective to hold you accountable to help find balance. Because I heard this all the time that you have 45 minutes to, to, should I eat? Should I work out? 
Should I mm. take a break? Should I walk? Should I go outside, get sunshine? And if you do eat, you just like shove in your, your, your meal. You don't chew or you get a huel. You get some kind of, you know, liquid shake, which I, all of those things I do, by the way, I can rush mm. through things and I prioritize. So it's when you do that consistently, it's when you, you don't prioritize your well being consistently. That's when things go south and it can go quicker than you would like to think. Absolutely. Shane, I want to actually uh, ask you, I, I've tried to look at different um, accelerators and also entrepreneurship um, programs at the universities, and I don't see that much about the mental health or the well-being <laughs> as part of the curriculum. Was there um, anything in the YC that actually talked about that just to make the unknown known? Yeah, so there, there. Oh, I can't remember her name, which is which is unfortunate. I think it could be Liz, but they had a performance coach, so they had a psychologist uh, in house mm-hmm. um, that would talk about general best practice, would talk about the benefits to your business, like try to reach through the entrepreneur's filter and lens and language that they uh, they understand, and and then. So that hopefully they would take some mm-hmm. action, but it wasn't part of the same rigor and detail of, mm-hmm. of building a business. No, it, it was there as, as, you know, there's a lot of you unhealthy, you know, entrepreneurs, and these are the things you have to think about. And I'm, I'm undermining it, but that's what it felt like because there was, we were in the cohort and, and it could of course have, have provided some, some assistance there. But I think it's, I, I haven't followed up after, but I'm I'm positive that this will become more and more prevalent. I know that Antler here in uh, in Stockholm, we participated in, in at least sharing the story, um, giving uh, you know tips and best practice. I'm I know Nordhuen has uh, regular uh, both resources and activities on on uh, whether it's yoga, breathing, breath breathworks, and so, so I think I think the more progressive. I would say the more successful, but I'll, I'll, I'll add successful and progressive uh, accelerators see this as a, as a key component, just like professional sports, because this is actually nothing new. This has been decades of, of sports medicine. It's just, yeah. oh, by the way, how about the rest of us? So that's what I mean. do I think, is it, is it happening? Uh, it's starting. I think there's a ways to go, but I, I've seen evidence that, that this is actually part of the, curriculum because if someone invests they invest in the founders and if the founders can't make it through this rigorous process then that impacts the the investment so if you forget about the human aspects of it it makes business sense and that's what our pitch is to be fair for nudge labs it's like do it for whatever reason you like but do something <laughs> in, in invest in in this and and behavioral change rather than just reactive types of resources you can see a, a therapist 10 times in here in sweden for for free as part of uh workman's compensation but there's not a ton of invested preventatively and there's even less that measure what the actions are what's the impact of these investments that's harder and also i i, I know that uh, yes you can do it, get it for free but usually the waiting is month and month i know in the mm. uk it can be up to nine months and then we're talking about life or death of the startup, or unfortunately, sometimes the founder. Yeah. If you're just in that waiting line to get. I had a talk. Uh, I had a talk with TechStars as well. 
uh, here in Stockholm, where we we were also talking for they had an interesting analogy because I've uh, six years in the Navy and you do a lot of training for crisis and extreme stressful situations. If it's war, is kind of stressful, and that's what you train for. So is search and rescue. Like it doesn't refueling. There's even mundane activities can be life or death. So you train and train and train. And there's a sort of similarity because there's a deeper purpose for those that are serving their country. They, they can have a, a deep purpose aligned with, with that and giving back and serving others. And it, 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 there seemed to be uh, a lot of commonality and at least resonated with a lot of the, the entrepreneurs because they have a deep purpose and they have a ton of unhealthy, unsustainable behavior. And in, in fact, there's a lot of suicides with, uh, within the military. And it's it's horrendous, but it's also something that we don't talk enough about. We talk about fail fast and, well, this is my entire life savings. It invested in something I believe in personally. Like, this has to succeed. My my identity, this is my life's work. Like, yeah, how do you deal with nice. that? I die. So it's, uh, we're just scratching the surface. I think that we, we have a lot more that we need to do for the, the startup space in this area. And I think it needs to come down to basics and that's coaching preferably biometric powered because it's slightly more objective and can drive that curiosity. And it's also measured and, and clearly the self-awareness, but it's, it's about the behavioral change. So you can, you can learn all day. And this is what I'm doing now here at, at promote this. One thing is learning. It's different to do something. And that's why common sense isn't common practice as you had mentioned. And it's also that it's inspiration and information is one thing, but implementation and integration is what really drives the change and creates the sustainability in our behaviors. And that's where, so we talk about leaders wanting to show that they actually care with an action. And the action can be uh, not just, here's a watch, and I'll give all my employees uh, some smartwatch or smart device. That's, that's not it, because that won't evoke the behavioral change. It's going to be in, in some form of of engagement uh, with with a coach, we think is is what we've seen is really what makes a difference. Why is it exactly one to one coaching? Have you tried different things when, you, like you were talking about the first stage of the business, and then that it was not enough to drive the behavioral change, and you came to the coaching? Have you tried different things? Whether it's maybe some peer coaching, whether it's I don't know AI chatbot coach, whatever. Why did you land on the one to one coach? If you take a hundred people. That volunteer, if you ask 200, let's say 100, would take that initial step. So you've already filtered somewhat these people that are interested in doing something. And we started with one to one, uh, and it can be monthly, but we also don't provide really strict, um, min max on, on those types of engagement. We, we know that regular, uh, follow up is what's necessary and it's individual on how, how often, but we try to be flexible. Say if you need to, to speak with us every, every other week, then let's do that and really understand the why. And what we would see is over a cohort, over time, the idea is that we're empowering you with the ability to start habits, the ability to understand your body, the ability to take the right decisions, prioritize. Uh, that skill is something that you can use throughout life. And in theory, you would use us slightly less and less with time. But we also both know that it's life changes. So it's not static. So we see a future that group uh, settings could work based on, like we do sessions um, on breath work. So we do sessions on some aspects of physical well-being. So we, we've done that in a group setting. 
when it comes to the coaching, we can see a future that depending on uh, the cohort, the need. So if we share a common motivation, it's not just what you want to fix. Let's say it's diet or exercise or relationships or things you're addicted to. It's also how you're motivated. So if I'm not motivated to fix something, even though I subjectively see I should fix it, uh, you're not going to do anything. So if there's some commonality, then that, that could be a way to introduce uh, group settings. Mm-hmm. But the way we see it is it's always going to be interlaced with the nudges, which where we could clearly see AI and ChatGPT helping in, in, in keeping someone on track. But as long as it feels, it wouldn't be, it, it would need to feel like it's coming from Anna. So it needs to be coherent. Mm-hmm. I need to have met you, build a relationship, build trust. And then based on my needs, my life, then it could require a more intense one-to-one or it could transition over to you would add in other types of, of media. And that's where the scale from business perspective comes in. But it's not something that, and as well as from machine learning perspective, the more advice you give and the more actions are taken, the more you'd be able to predict that. The more information you're pulling from the users over time, the more rich that model can be, which makes the accuracy go up the recommendations but it, we at the moment we we find it difficult to say that it would just be replaced with an ai they're popping up all over the place uh now so we see a benefit uh of that but so far we haven't seen because that was really our first version was sort of that uh it gave the advice but there was no human involved and and it could have been our advice clearly but we think there's something uh, there's something special with having that connection to drive self-awareness and, and reflection and accountability and motivation. I love it. I'm really fascinated with the journey of Nudge Labs, uh, Shane, and I'm really grateful that you have shared the learnings and experiences so far. And uh, dear Genius Le- listeners, Genius Leaders, please follow the company and follow Shane. He's uh, sharing fantastic thoughts on, on belonging and uh, leading yourself and the others on on LinkedIn. So I'll drop the link to the show notes for that. And Shane, to wrap up, apart from getting Nudge Labs for for the company, what would you recommend to the genius leaders listening? Some actionable step to start raising their awareness and and practicing what we have been talking about today? I should have been prepared for that question. I think the one thing it would be challenge what you think you know. I think we, we assume that uh, a, a lot uh, about wellness and, and stress and these types of things. Be, be curious enough to the challenge and potentially even talk to. So here's a concrete uh, suggestion. Reach out to me if you want to hear more about what we've learned. And it doesn't need to be a prospect call. And we actually don't specialize in, in startups. We, from a go-to-market perspective, we, we focus on larger customers. So uh, more than happy to share that, but I I, I think um, what we under we underestimate what small things can do, and the the trick is to try different things to find out what works for you. That can be frustrating and slow. We all just want to fix the problem, press the big red button, and now I'm healthy. But that doesn't mean you you don't underestimate uh, small small things. Uh, so experiment and try to just as with your business have the same positive outlook regarding the measures that you take so you can do that what does a walk outside actually matter what does taking three minutes to just breathe and think of nothing how can that really matter so if you want get a device measure and you can actually see 
Uh, if you don't want to bother, which I get it, just try different things. Maybe it's going to make a difference that you feel, maybe not, but it's self-discovery, what it's all about. So I had something that I, uh, in my journey, my, my coach, amazing uh, coach was the first conversation was about why do I do the things I do? And I hadn't thought about that. So my, my first uh, habits were uh, exercise a uh, certain number of, of minutes every day and, and drink two liters of water every day. And, and of course, I failed with setting those because they're not, not necessarily habits. So learning about that. And then my coach had asked me, well, is, do you see that resonating with, is that similar to other aspects of your life? Do you set big goals and then get angry when you don't hit them? And I'm like, yeah. So th- think about what you do, why you do it, and and uh, open up, uh, reach out to Anna or, or others and, and we're doing coaching and, and explore that. Uh, find someone to help drive self-discovery because I think that's uh, truly underestimated. Shane, last question, very quick one. What's your favorite micro break or maybe the one that you have taken today? So it's uh, three, two, one. You, uh, it's pretty simple. You go through a list of uh, something that you can either see, uh, feel, hear, smell, and that could be a fan. It could be a truck. We just heard something at Anna. But I, you need to have something to occupy your mind. So a break for me, if I stopped what I was doing, I was thinking about work and I couldn't not think about work. So forcing yourself either on your, your breath or just window, whiteboard, like it sounds ridiculous, but that's what, uh, uh, that's what we required. So yeah, the three, two, one, and you could Google that, uh, look at our site and you'll see it. Nice. I, I haven't tried that. And uh, to me, three, two, one is actually a different thing that I uh, suggest to my clients to help them wind down and, and get better sleep, yeah, which is three hours before sleep, okay. and, uh, eat, and then two hours before you don't work. And then one hour before I uh, sleep, you, you stop using any devices with screens. So um, I love that one too. It's so powerful. And that's uh, so simple. It's simple. And that's what (laughs) some of my clients struggle with when they're like, why am I paying you so much money for talking about (laughs) all these primitive things? I'm like, it's not about talking. It's about actually getting them done in your life and into it. it. (laughs) Do it. Yeah. Shane, thank you so much for the beautiful conversation. Thank you. It was wonderful. And all the amazing conversations we're having on LinkedIn with the beautiful bunch that you're bringing together. I absolutely love that. And to you, Genius Leaders, I just want to remind you that I see you, I feel you, I love you, and I do believe that you can have the better well-being for yourself and have better clarity on why you do things you do that will help you be a healthier and more sustainable leader for yourself and the others. Go and take that micro bake today after you finish listening to this. And see you next time. Thanks, Anna, and for the opportunity. It's uh, wonderful. Thank you, Shane. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Genius Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button. Please rate, review, and share to help more people discover the show and become the better leaders. For more conversations about living in your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honors conversation about leading yourself and others. And it is my honor to be a guide in overcoming everything.